so my name is Cameron Mullins, and as Brian graciously introduced, uh, I do have a long history here at DBC. In fact, uh, I'm 36 now, so it was about uh, when I was 18. Uh, I started as a part-time janitor here, and then uh, after three years, I, I went to uh, UTD, and then I, I was so good at being a janitor, uh, they made me king of the janitors. And so the, I was the facilities coordinator for another three years, uh, and, and I kind of thought being a janitor and, and being a, a speaker here was pretty special, but they just told me that Matt Thigpen uh, spoke last week, uh, who was one of my janitors. So if you're wondering how you get to this stage, there's a, there's a, there's a system. You've got to start as a janitor, clean the toilets, change the light bulbs, and uh, eventually they'll give you a mic. Um, and then after I was still this coordinator, then uh, I was an associate youth pastor, moved over there while I was at DTS. And then uh, right before that, my wife and I, we started a refugee ministry over in the Garland, Richardson, Dallas area on the east side of 75. I'll tell you more about that later. But, but when I come back to DBC, uh, it's like coming back to your hometown. And all of you have hometown, places that you're from. Uh, that's, what, that's what this, this place, I've vacuumed this stage. I, that's, what, that's what this is like for me. And when you come back to your hometown, you see some new faces, a lot of new faces, but many familiar faces. And the problem is the familiar faces have a little dirt on you. So from the Crowders to the Grants, they all know a little bit more about you than you would like for them to. Uh, so anyway, uh, so today we're going to read about Jesus going back to his hometown and one of my hopes is that it turns out better for me than it does for Jesus. So, uh, open up your Bibles, uh, which you either brought or there used to be Bibles in front of you. They're not there anymore now because they're, they're on your phone. So, so get on your phone this time. Uh, and, and we're actually going to be going through quite a, quite a few uh, of the Bible. Um, and so, uh, we're going to be going to Luke chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 14 there. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. I'll stall a couple of more minutes. Many pastors say, we're going to be here, and then they start talking as if you were already, like, remembered where the book of Luke was. Um, okay, so uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 14. <clears throat> Jesus, back in his hometown, this is what happens. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All right, please pray with me. Father, we ask you to change our vision and thinking about your real love for others and your real love for us. Let our hearts not be hardened and angry at your love for the world, but instead let us be the conduits of your love for the poor and the afflicted. 
Reach out to them the same way you reached out to us, through your Son and by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be talking about Jesus in his hometown to start out with. But before that, I want to set up this story just a little bit. So Jesus was just in the desert where he was tempted by Satan. None of these stories are, probably most of you have heard most of these stories, but he's tempted by Satan. And Satan offers him the whole world if he will just bow to him. And Jesus uh, does the opposite of Adam and Eve. Where Adam and Eve said yes to Satan, Jesus says no. Because he's totally God and totally man, and he is just like you and I, except he is without sin. And so he fights Satan, and Jesus wins. And then Jesus leaves the desert to go on his mission. What is Jesus's mission? This would be an important question for followers of Jesus. Well, Jesus sits down at the synagogue, and he is more than happy to tell us what his mission is. And so we're going to be reading this a few times today. He opens up the scroll of Isaiah to Isaiah 61, and it says, nice timing. It says, okay, now here's the thing. I'm teaching uh, ESL lots of times, and what I've found over 10 years is that when there's uh, repetition and participation, people just tend to remember more than just a talking head at the front. So I'm so sorry, but I'm going to have you repeat this with me, and it'll be better for me. It'll be better for you. I think it'll be a a, a good thing. So Isaiah 61, um, and I'll give you a verbal cue because we're going to read this a few times. So when I go, that means let's read this together. All right, so Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Okay, so Jesus is in his hometown. He unrolls the scroll, he reads that, and then he sits down. And you know what? People love it. They're eating this up. They're like, oh, this guy, he speaks so well. He's such a, his his words are so nice. And and, uh, isn't this Joseph's son? And they're so excited. And if Jesus had just stopped there, like it would have gone better for him here. Uh, But Jesus is known for not leaving well enough alone. And so Jesus pokes the bear now. And, and look, look what he says. So we're in verse 23 now, in Luke chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum, which is a hard city to say in the name. I'm still having trouble. I've taken years of Greek and Hebrew, and I've even been there, and I still can't say the name of this city, right? I just tell my kids, like, hey, just try your best. Like, just make it up, Capernaum. Um, Okay, so Jesus is there, and what do the people want him to do? They want him to do the signs and wonders that they've heard about him doing other places. They're like, okay, you're back home. We're friends with your mom. You need to do that same stuff here because, here's the subtext, we kind of own you. You kind of belong to us. If they a little bit deserve you, we really deserve you because you're from our town. Well, Jesus, again, not, uh, wanted, to, wanted to, to poke the bear, he, he, said, he tells them two stories and he says, look, he, he reminds them, hey, 
Remember during the time of Elijah? So this is in 24 and 25. Remember in the time of Elijah and there was famine throughout the whole land? Was Elijah sent to his own people or to other people? He was sent to the widow in Sidon. Okay, so uh, Elijah, so what he's bringing up, he's saying, hey, look, you have this idea of us and them, and you're very focused on getting us what we deserve because us deserves a lot. Them don't deserve a lot. Us deserve a lot. So Jesus tells that story of Elijah, and then he says, and you remember during the time of Elisha, which again, it took me many years in seminary to realize these are two different people, Elijah, Elisha, so now you're caught up. But Elisha, he says, hey, remember during the time of Elisha, there was lots of people in the land who had leprosy, leprosy, a disease that eats your skin. Uh, And uh, we'll talk more about leprosy later. Um, something to look forward to. Uh, but you remember during the time of Elijah, there was lots of leprosy in the land, but Nathan was not sent to them, to us. He was sent to, the, to, to Nathan, who was from Syria. And those people didn't like people from Syria. People today still don't like people from Syria. It's a big problem. And so, anyway, Jesus says, hey, remember when the prophets were sent to other people. And if Jesus told us to that, we might be like, oh yeah, good, good point. But look what these, look what the people in his hometown do. 28, all the people, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard it. They got up, drove him out of town and took him to the top of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Uh, just seeing if you're listening, because, you know, so it's a cliff. They're going to throw him off a cliff. So again, if today ends and you don't want to throw me off a cliff, then, you know, it's going pretty well for me. Uh, and so they want to throw Jesus off the cliff. And why? What, what changed so quickly? They love this guy. And then they hate this. They want to kill this guy. What changed? Well, they had a fragile entitlement where they said, we deserve you. We deserve you because we are of the right family. We are of the right country. We are of the right language. We follow the law. We deserve you. And if this was a movie, you would see Jesus walking past, walking past the crowd who says, we deserve you. And like he's saying, I'm not here for you. And he goes on, And this makes them furious because he's telling them that, hey, the things that you think make you special don't actually make you special. So if Jesus doesn't go to them, then where does he go? Well, because he walks through their midst by a miracle. Okay, and so then he goes to the next person. Let's see, Jesus goes past the people in his hometown, and where does he go? Well, let's look. In, in the next verse, 31. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because he, his, his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit, and he cried out at the top of the voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, 
I'm not sure of any culture where yelling bad things about the speaker uh, makes you uh, a real pride and joy of the community. And so this guy was probably not uh, their mother's favorite son. I, I don't know. I don't know a better way to say it. This guy was probably pretty awkward if he's yelling at this at Jesus in front of the crowd. The rest of the people aren't. They're acting much more dignified, even though they're very, uh, uh, many of them also don't like Jesus. And so Jesus passes the people in his own hometown. He doesn't do the miracles there, but instead he comes to this demon-possessed man, and then look what he does. He says to him, be quiet, come out of him. And the demon threw the man down before them and came out. And all the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, he gives order to impure, orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And news about him spread. Okay. So he didn't go to his hometown people. He didn't do miracles there. And now this weird demon-possessed guy has received a miracle. This guy was changed. Okay, now, did this guy become a superhero? No. He became normal. He goes from being different to having a problem to probably not being worth much in the community, and he changes, and he becomes now normal. The demon leaves him. This guy is, and this is a word we're going to be saying a lot this morning, this guy is redeemed. Now, uh, I don't know what you think about when you hear the word redeemed. For me, I always think about free tacos because I always get these, uh, the, these, these pieces of paper in the mail that say, hey, redeem this coupon for one free... Thank you. Good. Just listening check. Um, okay, so for one free taco. And, and the idea is this paper is worthless. It, it doesn't count for anything. It doesn't have any value. But bring it in to the store, and we will change it in from something without value into something of value, which here would be a taco. Good. Okay, so redeem the coupon, and it will get changed. Not because I say it has worth, but because Taco Bell says it has worth. Okay, there we go. That's what I'm talking about. Someone's listening. All right. So, so the man... It comes before Jesus, and, and I, I don't even think this guy, this guy isn't asking for it, but this guy is redeemed by Jesus. He's given worth when he was worthless. Okay, so Jesus doesn't go to the people in his hometown. Instead, he goes to the demon-possessed man. And then, after that, he leaves the demon-possessed man, and where does he go next? You'll never guess, unless you look, and then you'll know. Um, so let's look. Uh, okay, so Jesus left the synagogue. We're in verse 38 now, 38. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So now you have a, a, a woman who has a fever, and she's sick, and she's lying there. And I don't know how good a sick person you are. Uh, I am not a good sick person. I, I usually uh, lie and, and moan there pretty loud. I even lie and moan there when I'm not that sick. Um, and I have five children, and so sometimes you just need a break, and it's the only way to find it. Uh, and so, but, uh, but she is lying there, and she has a fever, and what does Jesus do? He tells the fever to go away. And then what happens to her? Does she become a superhero? No. She becomes normal. She becomes 
she, she has worth, she starts doing worthy things in the society. She starts serving, doing what, what was normal of the, of the host. She starts serving Jesus and his friends. Okay. Jesus didn't walk past the people in his hometown. They're really angry. Instead, he goes to the demon-possessed man. He redeems him. He goes to the woman with the fever. He changes her. He redeems her. Why did he go to them? and not the people in his hometown? Well, he just told us. Ah, There we go. (laughs) I I wasn't expecting you to memorize this at all. uh, (laughs) But if anyone had, it's a good job. Okay, so uh, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Okay, so the demon-possessed man didn't have freedom, but now he does. The woman with the fever uh, was bound up, but now she's not. He's redeemed them both. And so then people start hearing about Jesus, and look what happens next. People start hearing about Jesus, and then people start swarming. They start swarming him. And so sick people and demon-possessed people start coming to him, and he starts changing them. He starts saying, you're made good. He takes away the sickness. He starts saying, you're made good. He takes away the demon. He's, 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 he's like Oprah. He's saying, like, like, you're redeemed, and you're redeemed. Everyone's redeemed. And he's just handing it out to everyone. And what do they want him to do? They, they want to grab onto him. They want to make him hit theirs. But he says, I have to go. And why does he have to go? <clears throat> the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Because these sick people aren't the only sick people. These bound people aren't the only bound people. He's going to go to the lost and the brokenhearted, people who are even more lost, who have even worse things because he's come to redeem all of his people. Okay, so Jesus goes out, and then, and then uh, so, so let's, let's review. So, he doesn't do these miracles to the people in his hometown, even though he can do them so, so easily, so quickly. He doesn't do them. He goes past them. And instead, he goes to the demon-possessed man. He then goes to the sick woman. He then heals the swarms of people. And then you know where he goes next? I'll never guess, unless you look, and then you'll know. Then he goes to some failed fishermen, some fishermen, and he says, hey, go catch some fish. And they say, we've been fishing all night. And he says, no, 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 throw your nets over the side of the water, uh, over the other side of the boat. And, and so they do, and they pull in an embarrassingly large amount of fish. And you know how this is if you have a job, if things aren't going well, if the deals don't settle, and then you have to explain that to your friends and your family, how embarrassing that is. But then you make a big catch, a big sale, a big, and then suddenly you just feel, not like a superhero, but you feel normal. You feel part of society. You've been given worth back. This is what Jesus does for the fishermen that night. And then he says, you're not just going to fish 
for fish, you're now going to go out and fish for people. You're going to go redeem them. So then he leaves the fishermen, and then he comes up to someone who has it really bad. This guy has a death sentence on him. He comes to a leper. So let's read about that. Chapter 5, verse 12. We've already gone through a chapter and a half-ish of the Bible. So great job. Okay, so he, he, in verse 12, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Okay, now this man had a disease called leprosy, which is uh, in, in when I'm doing this in a refugee context, people are like, oh, leopard. And I'm like, no, no, not leopard. That's, that's a different thing. This is leprosy. This is, a, this is a disease of the skin that eats and ultimately kills. And so this man had no hope for a future, and he couldn't be touched. And so he comes to Jesus, and he falls down in front of him, bringing nothing to the table himself, having no hope, and he says, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reaches down, and he touches the untouchable. And instead of the disease attacking Jesus, Jesus attacks the disease. And Jesus wins. And what does he win? He wins the redemption of this man. This man goes from having no hope of a future, for not being part of society, he's brought back into the group. He's made worthy. He's made normal. Okay, and so, okay, this starts to get kind of hard to remember. I, the, the, see if you can come up with a memory device because it's, it's stuff for me. But okay, so Jesus, his own people want him to do, want him to do the, the miracles there, but instead he walks past them. And then he goes to the demon-possessed man, and then to the woman with the fever, and then to the swarms of sick people and possessed people, and then he goes to the failed fishermen, and then he goes to the leprous man. Thank you. This good stuff it goes to the leprous man, and, and each person is being redeemed along the way, and it can't get worse than that, right? Well, then he goes to someone who's an even greater burden on the society than the leprous man. He goes to, you'll never guess, unless you look, okay? He goes to a man who was paralyzed. Okay, so Jesus was teaching there, the, and, 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 and all the people are pushing around him, and the Pharisees are, are trying to question him and, and, and trying to trick him, and, and everyone's there, and then suddenly a hole starts being sawed in the roof, and a paralyzed man is being lowered down in front of him. And uh, paralysis in many of the countries that we work with, with, have refugees from them, is very bad because you are a full-time burden on someone. You're a burden on your family. You're a burden on your friends. They have to take care of you constantly. And so this guy has no worth in the society. And so So then he's brought in by his friends, and Jesus looks at this man who's a burden, who who needs help, 
And he puts his, his, his hand out, and, and you know what he says? He says, your sins are forgiven. Now, this makes all the leaders horribly angry. But why does Jesus forgive his sins? Because Jesus knows what we actually need to be redeemed from. It's not a secret to him. That paralysis and our ailments and our possessions and our, and our sicknesses and our failed attempts, these are just symptoms of the real problem, which is that we have sin. Is that inside, we feel like we are number one. It's the same thing that Adam and Eve felt. Don't, don't, like, don't you want to know everything right now? We have sin inside, and so Jesus actually redeems the heart of the problem, which is our heart that your sins now are forgiven. Your sins are what bind you. And this makes the leaders furious because they say, they say, look what they say. They say, who can forgive sins but God? And so then Jesus says to the man, okay, which one's easier to forgive sins or to tell this guy to walk? So he says to him, hey, so that they can see that your inside has been redeemed, Get up and walk, showing that the outside is redeemed. And all the people say, Jesus, why are you doing this? And then we're reminded of this small verse from the Old Testament that says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Jesus has come to free us from our sins and from all the bad things, both inside and out. He's come to redeem us, and He's come to redeem that man. Okay. So, let's review his, the, the friends in his hometown, his mom's friends, his, his dad's friends are saying, oh, oh, well, do those miracles here uh, and da- dance for us, Jesus. And he says, no, he doesn't do them there, but who does he go to? He goes to the demon-possessed man. He goes to the woman with the fever. He goes to the swarms of sick and possessed people. He goes to the failed working fishermen. He goes to the leprous, the doomed, uncurable, leprous man. He goes to the burdensome paralytic, and people are mad the whole way through. Now, you can't get, you can't get more uh, problematic, more undeserving, more unworthy, more uh, declared bad by the culture than that paralytic guy, right? Ah, you can there's one worse per- person that, that really sets everybody off. Jesus now goes to the IRS. Not really, but kind of. Okay, so 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Okay, now the people there hated the tax collectors, not just because they took their money. Uh, Taking people's money is never a great way to make friends. Um, 
unless you're a nonprofit. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, it's never a great way to make friends. But they were so mad, the people of Israel, the leaders of Israel, because, because they wanted their country back. They had remembered under King David and King Solomon, Israel had been great. But then the Assyrians had come in after the country had broken, and the Assyrians owned it. And then uh, the Babylonians, the Iraqis came in, and now they owned, it. They, they owned it. And then the Persians came in, the Iranians, and then they owned it. And then after that, then the Greeks came in. After this is Sparta, and the Greeks owned it. And then after the Greeks, then, then the Romans came and took it over. And the, the people of Israel are saying, we want our country back. We want our dignity back. We want our country to be great one again, like it was before under them. And Jesus, you're going to give it to us. But Jesus walks past those people. And instead, he walks to the tax collector who's taking their money. Okay, and this would be comparable today to, I don't know, uh, the Taliban that's encircling cities in Afghanistan as we, as we speak, that are planning to take over, that, are planning that, that people are already being hurt, Afghanis that we know, their brothers and sisters that are still back there in the country. It would be like if the Taliban came and then took over our country too, and then your best friend, whoever that is, picture them in your head, goes and works for them and takes your money to give it to them. It would be something like that. So... So Jesus goes to, to Levi, who's also called Matthew, and he says to him, he says, follow me. And Jesus said to him, uh, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and other sinners were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to the disciples, and they finally say clearly what, what these people were thinking. The leaders finally say, Jesus, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? <clears throat> the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Jesus has already told them what he's going to do. They just hate seeing him do it. But now Jesus is, uh, I don't know if he's hit a breaking point or, or, or if he's just ready to teach the lesson clearly, but then he gives some of the clearest language to follow this up, which then comes in the next verse, verse 31, where Jesus answered them and said, is it not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick? I have not come to call the righteous as if there are any righteous I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So, who did Jesus go to? He walked past his, the people from his hometown. He then went to the, to the demon-possessed man, and then he went to the woman with the fever, and then he went to the swarms of sick and possessed people, and then he went to the 
failed fisherman, and then he went to the uncurable leper, and then he went to the uh, burdensome paralytic, and then finally he goes to the worst person. He goes to the traitorous tax collector. And he is redeeming each one of these. And the leaders are confused, and the people are upset. But you know what? If, if these leaders had just read the next chapter, they would understand what's going on. Many of our questions of the Bible usually can just be answered. It's like, just keep reading. Like, the answer is coming up. Uh, and so, so, if they had just read Isaiah 62, they would have seen what Jesus is doing. And it says, the Lord had made proclamation to the ends of the earth. So not just one people, all people. Say to the daughters of Zion, see your Savior comes. See his reward is with him and his recompense or his justice accompanies him. They will be called, the people of God will be called the holy people, the, look at this word, redeemed of the Lord. And redeemed means we're being redeemed from something. It means God did not come to us because we look a certain way or speak a certain way or have, have something to bring. He came to us because we don't have anything to bring. All we have is the love that He has for us. So, as Brian uh, referenced, uh, my wife and I, we started a ministry to refugees uh, about 10 years ago, and it got out of hand really, is, is the simple summary. Um, it started with nine, and then there was 20, and then there was 50. Uh, and so currently, uh, we serve about uh, 450 to 550 refugees a day, uh, and we do that through having uh, kids programs. Uh, right now, currently, we're running a, uh, you can go to the next slide, Jake. Um, currently, the, this, is, this is our facility where we're at, and then at the next one, uh, we have a co-op right now, uh, because online education with COVID doesn't work when you don't know the language and your parents don't know the language and you don't have internet and it just doesn't work. And so uh, we brought them in to focus on uh, intense language building. We also get to share the gospel every day. Um, but then also we have lots of adults because Dallas is one of the largest refugee uh, centers in the nation in the world. And uh, so we get to do that through bringing people together to help them with all the needs that come up when you're new to the country. Uh, what does this piece of paper say? I got this letter. What's this ticket? Where do I do this? How do I apply for that? Um, and so we get to help them with all that, and we get to share the gospel every day. And we also do that only because we have so many volunteers that help us. So we have people uh, who come and help teach English through curriculums that you're uh, that, that, that we give you. Many people are like, hey, I don't speak another language. It's like, good, neither do I. Like, I only speak English. That's all you need to do. Um, and so, if this type of ministry sounds interesting to you, uh, please come find me afterwards. I'd love to share information. Um, but, and you can go to the, next, to the next slide there. Okay, but I love working with refugees. And there's lots of reasons for that. But one of the main ones is because refugees come to this country with nothing. They have left their governments. Their governments have failed them. 
They have, they have had to leave their families. They have had to leave stability. They have had to leave their bank accounts. They've had to leave their language. They've had to leave their job positions and their educations, which now don't count when you come over. They've had to, and they have lost, they have lost uh, uh, close family members, brothers, sisters, children, and they come to America with usually just the bag in their hand and saying, help. And for me, there is no better picture of what Christ does for us than when He reaches out to help those that don't have anything. And so, refugees are a wonderful picture of who Christ is looking for. So, we have not been abandoned. We have been redeemed. And while I would love for you to come and help us over at For the Nations, we have a lot of people, uh, there are lots of great ministries to look for. But, but here's the main point. The point is, we are the church. So, if you believe in Jesus, then this same mission that was given to Jesus, which Jesus had, which I can't, I can't quite remember it, <clears throat> which said, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. This same challenge, if you believe and are, have been redeemed by, the, by God, is what is given to the church now. Because you see, everything inside of us looks to do what people have done throughout the entire history of humanity, which is us and them. There's us and there's them, and our God is for us, and He is not for them. And Jesus, who is my neighbor? Because I need to know who the us is, because I want what us is deserves. And what Jesus is constantly pushing us to is no. The moment you start drawing those boundaries, you're not acting like Jesus is. Jesus looks for who's the outsider, who's the one who's lost it, and he goes to them. He goes to the demon-possessed man and the woman with the fever and the swarms of sick people and the failed fishermen and the, the incurable leper and the, and the paralytic, the burnous paralytic, and finally the traitorous tax collector. He goes to them all as the greatest sermon illustration of all time to say, here's who I'm going for. People who understand that their value is not based on their own merit. And for many of us, we don't know actually what we're valuing that on until it's taken away. And so he's come to us to reach out for the lost. And he's asked us to do that the way we were reached out to, in the name of the Son, and not by our own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for reaching out to us and down to us. Father, thank you uh, for loving us when we had nothing of our own actions or thoughts to deserve your love. Please, by your Holy Spirit, give us this same love 
for others who are different than us. Let your love move us to action by your Holy Spirit, going out in the name of our great Redeemer, Jesus. Amen.